Welcome to Apologetics with Brian O'Connell, where in each episode, I answer difficult questions that confront Christianity. In our last episode, we looked at the archaeological discoveries for the Old Testament. In that episode, I discussed the fact that scholars had rejected the Bible and viewed the Christian Bible as nothing more than a book filled with religious myths and fairy tales. However, we saw through the abundance of archaeological evidence that the arguments and attacks made over these past several hundred years hold no ground and are outdated. If you're interested in this topic, I would encourage you to study this out further. There are literally hundreds of archaeological artifacts that have been discovered for both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In our last episode, we only looked at the archaeological discoveries for the Old Testament. You may still have doubts about the reliability of the New Testament, and so I want to address these doubts by looking at the archaeological and extra-biblical evidence for the New Testament. Now let's turn our attention to the evidence. The first archaeological discovery that I want to discuss in this episode is the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered by two young shepherds in 1947 in Qumran, which is near the Dead Sea, and they found these scrolls in different caves. Now, you may recall that in one of the previous episodes, I discussed predictive prophecy. In that episode, I quoted Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 and 5, where it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. I also pointed out that Isaiah wrote this prophecy over 700 years before Christ was born. However, I also told you that skeptics argue that because this passage clearly describes Jesus Christ and the events of the crucifixion, that this passage cannot be a real prophecy. In fact, they claim that this passage is proof that the Bible has been changed by Christians to make it say what Christians want it to say. They argue that Christians changed the Bible to make it seem like these are prophecies talking about Jesus. Again, this was the view held by skeptics for hundreds of years. But the incredible thing is that with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls came the discovery of what is known as the Great Isaiah Scroll, which is a thousand years older than any of the other manuscripts that we had. What's amazing is that scholars have analyzed these scrolls and found that there are no signs of editing like the skeptics had claimed. In fact, biblical scholar Gleason Archer points out that even though the two copies of Isaiah discovered in Qumran Cave 1 near the Dead Sea in 1947 were a thousand years earlier than the oldest dated manuscript previously known from about A.D. 980, they proved to be word-for-word identical with our standard Hebrew Bible in more than 95% of the text. But in the scroll that's identified as 1QISB and dated to 75 BC, the preserved text 
is almost letter for letter identical with the Leningrad manuscript. The 5% of variation consisted chiefly of obvious slips of the pen and variations in spelling. Did you catch that? The Great Isaiah Scroll that was found in 1947 in Qumran dates to 75 BC. In other words, this manuscript was written down at least 75 years before Jesus was born. Not only that, but this is a copy of Isaiah which dates long before 75 BC. My point in all of this is that this discovery shows that Isaiah was not altered by Christians to make the text seem like it was describing the crucifixion of Jesus. Not only did the discovery of the Dead Sea manuscripts verify the reliability of the book of Isaiah, but Gleason Archer goes on to point out that even those Dead Sea fragments of Deuteronomy and Samuel, which point to a different manuscript family from that which underlines our received Hebrew text, they do not indicate any differences in doctrine or teaching. They do not affect the message of Revelation in the slightest. In fact, Old Testament scholars Andrew Hill and John Walton, they point out that with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, it has also increased credibility of the Mesoretic manuscripts that had been the basis of all current English translations, but also provided important information for understanding the transmission of the text of the Old Testament. In other words, the significance of the Dead Sea Scrolls discovery is that it proves that the scripture has been copied down accurately for thousands of years and that we can fully trust the Bible. This also means that the predictive prophecy that I discussed a couple episodes ago was real. So why is this important? Or, to ask this question differently, why should you even care if the Bible contains predictive prophecy? The importance of this and the reason you should care that the Bible contains predictive prophecy is that the accuracy of these prophecy proves that the Christian Bible is divinely inspired and unlike any other religious book. No other religious book contains predictive prophecy. I've shown over the past several episodes that the Bible has not been altered by religious fanatics over hundreds or even over thousands of years to make the Bible say what they want it to say. So then, you should be asking yourself, how can the Bible contain such detailed predictive prophecies unless these prophecies come from God? And if these prophecies or really, the Bible as a whole, truly are the words of God, you should not be ignoring or rejecting God's message to you. The next archaeological discovery that I want to look at is the Pontius Pilate inscription. The Pontius Pilate inscription is a stone slab that archaeologists discovered in 1961 in Israel. 
and which contains Pontius Pilate's name. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea and was involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. In fact, we see his name mentioned throughout each of the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 27, Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 15, Luke chapter 3, verse 1, as well as Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 5. He's also mentioned in John chapter 18, verse 28, through chapter 19, verse 16. He's mentioned in Acts chapter 4, verse 27, as well as in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. And we know from archaeology and extra-biblical records that Pilate was governor of Judea from AD 26 to AD 36. Another important aspect of this archaeological discovery is that the inscription shows that it was a dedication in order to honor Emperor Tiberius. Now, the significance of this is that it further supports what is written in the Bible. For example, in Luke chapter 3, verse 1, we read this. It says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. The Pontius Pilate inscription is another archaeological find that shows that the biblical authors recorded accurate history. The next discovery that I want to discuss is the Megiddo Church inscription, which was discovered in 2005 by the Israel Antiquities Authority. They made this discovery when they were conducting salvage excavations for the Megiddo prison. When they were doing their excavations, they ended up discovering an ancient Christian church. In fact, archaeologists believe that the Megiddo church is likely the oldest church ever found in the Holy Land. And they date the church to the 3rd century, to around 230 A.D., Now, the significance of this archaeological find is that not only is it probably the earliest church discovered in the Holy Land, but even more significant is the inscription that archaeologists discovered. In this Christian church, researchers uncovered mosaics with Christian symbols such as fish. Now, you may be thinking, okay, Brian, this is is interesting, but how does this discovery really matter? Shouldn't we expect to find ancient churches? Well, the importance of this find and the reason I'm using it as proof for the New Testament's reliability is that archaeologists found an inscription that dedicated the church to God, Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? This church was dedicated to God, Jesus Christ, and it dates to around 230 A.D. The significance of this find is that it verifies that the early Christian church recognized Jesus as being God. Not only that, but if the inscription and church date to around 230 A.D., it means that the practice of worshiping Jesus as God predates 230 AD. In other words, this discovery shows that it wasn't hundreds of years 
after the death of Jesus that Christians began worshiping Jesus as God, as Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, and others claim. This archaeological find shows that the early Christian church worshipped Jesus as God from a very early age. Not only that, but we saw several episodes ago when I discussed what the apostles and disciples taught, that the deity of Jesus was understood and clearly taught from the inception of the church. In fact, in episode 9 on the topic of Christianity and world religions, I pointed out that the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, that Jesus Christ is God. If you recall, I mentioned that Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians around 60 to 62 AD, which is less than 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. However, what's even more significant is that in verses 5 through 11 of Philippians, where Paul says that Jesus is God, he was citing a popular hymn that had been circulating around the church, which means that the belief that Jesus is God originated even less than the 30 years that I had already mentioned. So, the discovery of this church, which was dedicated to God Jesus Christ, is just further proof of what the church has believed all along. The last archaeological discovery that I want to discuss is the Erastus inscription, which is a slab of gray limestone that was found by archaeologists in April of 1929. The stone slab is approximately two feet wide by seven feet long and was inscribed with seven-inch letters which mentioned Erastus. So, who was Erastus and why should we care about this discovery? Well, we know from Acts chapter 19, verse 22, that Erastus, along with Timothy, are mentioned as being two of Paul's helpers. In fact, in the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, Paul mentions Erastus and tells Timothy that Erastus remained at Corinth. The last place that Erastus is mentioned is in Paul's letter to the Romans, which Paul wrote in Corinth. As Paul ends his letter, he sends greetings from several men. For example, Romans chapter 16 verse 23 says, Gaius, host to me, and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. And Quartus, the brother. From these verses, not only do we find out that Erastus was a companion and helper of Paul's, but... We also learn in Romans chapter 16, verse 23, that Erastus was also the treasurer of the city of Corinth. What's amazing is that not only does the Erastus inscription mention Erastus in seven-inch letters on a two-foot by seven-foot stone slab, but it also says that he was the city treasurer. The significance of the Erastus inscription is that it verifies that Erastus was the city treasurer, just like the Bible says. This archaeological discovery is another piece of evidence that proves the accuracy and reliability of the scripture. So, 
Before we move on, let me bring us back to the arguments that have been made about the Bible. I've mentioned several times throughout many episodes that Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and others make the argument that the Bible has been corrupted over hundreds and even over thousands of years to make the Bible say what Christians want it to say. In fact, in my last episode, I mentioned that due to the lack of archaeological evidence, arguments had been made that the people, places, and events recorded in the Bible are nothing more than religious myths and fairy tales, or nothing more than stories of legend. However, over these past several episodes, I've shown that there is more manuscript evidence for the Bible than for any other ancient work. Not only that, but I have shown that the Bible is reliable and is backed up by archaeology. Anyone who claims that the Bible has been changed or that the Bible mentions people, places, and events that never existed are holding to arguments that are outdated by over 170 years. The amount of archaeological and manuscript evidence for the Bible is overwhelming and cannot be ignored. Another argument that has been made, which I addressed, is that Christians deified Christ hundreds of years after his death. Now, although I have refuted these claims and shown that the early church has worshipped Jesus as God from its inception, you still might not be satisfied. You might be thinking that somehow what I've presented is still biased because it comes from the Bible and therefore it can't be trusted. If these events really happen, like the Bible said, shouldn't we have writings from other people outside of the Bible? Were there any non-Christians that recorded anything about these events? The answer to this is yes. We have the writings of numerous non-Christians that describe the events that were taking place during the infancy of the church. These writings are known as extra-biblical sources, which we will address in our next episode. That's all the time that we have for today. Come back next time as we look at non-Christian sources to see what they wrote about Jesus and the early Christian church. God bless you.